first question is how has Nagacorp been dealing with the general slump in international visitors and who have you been targeting to bring back to the property and fill that void? Well, certainly uh, in the time uh, reference that uh, we outlined really since uh, March going forward, uh, travel restrictions has hit Cambodia like uh, most places in the world. Uh, so we operated uh, quite normally uh, with uh, obviously some uh, COVID-19 uh, health guidelines through uh, the end of the first quarter. Uh, but we were forced to shut down the entire uh, second quarter. So when we reopened uh, third quarter, uh, we had two phases, an initial uh, limited opening around the 6th, 7th of July, and then we received authorization a couple of weeks later to a uh, more scan expanded full-scale opening. Uh, we very much relied on the uh, local uh, market. When I say local mar market, uh, much of our uh, statistical uh, accomplishments or success during the third quarter uh, is really uh, for most of the uh, visitation from people in Cambodia rather than tourism. Uh, obviously, tourism had a, a, a big contribution in the past, and we anticipate that it will have a significant contribution in the future. But it was really the local expat community, uh, very mm. significantly, uh, Chinese businessmen that are based there or still traveling uh, into Cambodia. Uh, we've seen a, a lot of dynamics attached to the growth of Phnom Penh, not only as a capital city, but the commercial city. And I think you're well aware that over the last uh, seven, eight years, whether it's infrastructure projects, uh, new uh, uh, hotels and uh, uh, tourism uh, related uh, venues, they've been under construction in Cambodia. So that continues to attract a lot of uh, small businessmen who have relocated there, but also a lot of business interests that are serving the Phnom Penh area. Uh, quite honestly, uh, you know, the mass market, uh, the local, uh, uh, call it Cambodians, whether it's expats or uh, Cambodians with foreign passports, they've always made a very significant contribution uh, to the mass market. Uh, we've obviously been doing a lot of uh, promotions, whether it's uh, offering, uh, you know, a free uh, complimentary type of cuisine or uh, hotel lodging for a weekend and this and that to bring in more of the local crowd. But I also think that, you know, it's quite natural that when people have uh, more time uh, on their hand and obviously restrictions in their movement, uh, we've seen a, a very strong response from that broad local community. You know, if I had to cite any key factor that uh, has contributed quite significantly to the growth of that mass market, it has certainly been, uh, it's all tied to uh, the growth, the relationship between the Cambodian uh, and Chinese government, uh, much of the significant infrastructure uh, projects going around the country involved Chinese construction companies, 
working with local labor, uh, a lot of the investment for these properties. Uh, so there's a lot of ties and a lot of connections. And then there's a lot of uh, Chinese businessmen on the ground who uh, reside uh, a good part of the year in the Phnom Penh area. You know, what about this China tourism blacklist? Nothing's really come out of this blacklist at the moment. There's no confirmed uh, list of which countries, uh, so there's no confirmed of which countries are on that list. Um, but does that concern you and Nagakorp at all? You know, to be quite honest with you, you, you know, we closely uh, reviewed and uh, analyzed the uh, public commentary uh, it came from a few different sources within uh, China, the Ministry of Tourism, also some comments about the Public Security Bureau, uh, but lacked obviously specificity. Some articles talked about uh, uh, online gaming uh, as being the area that the blacklist, and also they talked a little bit about obviously those uh, companies that uh, uh, are using Chinese funding to build uh, gaming facilities at Target. We're quite confident that uh, we don't fall into any of those categories. Uh, we don't do, uh, we don't participate in online gaming. Uh, some time ago, we made a decision uh, not to get involved in online gaming. Uh, some of it was uh, truly because of the dynamics that we were very much involved in Chinese tourism and recognize the sensitivity of the issue. And then uh, as a result of not participating in uh, online gaming, uh, and I can only speculate that some areas, certainly uh, Sihanoukville had become a hotbed. And uh, 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 I think probably at the urging or dialogue with the Chinese government, action was taken in Sihanoukville to revoke those licenses. And obviously there's uh, a lot of public commentary regarding the level of online gaming operating, for example, out of the Philippines. So I don't think we fall into that category in terms of online gaming. So I don't think we have much concern about uh, being on a blacklist. And also if you look at our uh, property, whether it's Naga 1, Naga 2, Naga 3, uh, source of funding has either come from the uh, founder, uh, majority shareholder, and the company uh, to pay for all our projects. So we don't have, you know, third-party beneficial donors that uh, are involved in uh, from China in funding our operations. So a long-winded way of uh, responding to that question would be is that I don't think uh, Naga uh, as a uh, organization. Uh, either on the integrated resort side or the gaming side would be uh, a likely target of any blacklisting. And, you know, uh, not enough information is out there, but what's known to date, I would say that, you know, we'd be on the bottom end of that concern. I guess the last question is where to next? Um, if, if outside of Cambodia, what countries are piquing your interest right now that, you know, you're keeping your eyes on? Well, uh, again, I've been involved with uh, Naga since 2005, late 2005, early 2006. And uh, I've traveled with Dr. Chen from uh, Mongolia to Kazakhstan, uh, just to name a few. 
My point is we've always been open and we look for opportunities. Uh, and we, we look very much so uh, in the past for emerging jurisdictions rather than established jurisdiction. Again, places where capital costs on the front end, where taxes were reasonable. Uh, and, you know, the environment for us to uh, operate uh, had a, a measure of uh, autonomy. In other words, let's say if you were going into a place in Western Europe, oftentimes the taxation might be prohibitive, the amount of regulation as far as when you open this and that. So we've been looking for a long time and some of it depends upon what happens in those countries as far as gaming and regulation. We obviously have uh, moved forward uh, on our project in Vladivostok. Vladivostok, we looked at as an opportunity where you have basically a, a European city in Asia. And, you know, we think we have a reasonable investment there, uh, something that we are covering uh, well cost-wise. We've spent, I think, about $220 million to date. We spent another 100-some million before we complete it. Uh, that'll be about 2022. COVID-19 has impacted. There's been a lot of travel restrictions and uh, difficulty with uh, labor issues there, but uh, that's moving forward. Uh, probably second half 2022 will be complete. And, and really right now, you know, much of our clientele or customer base will be travelers back and forth from uh, China into Russia and those uh, provinces right there uh, because of the relationship and dynamics uh, of, of border provinces and the proximity of big cities like Harbin, uh, the increase in commerce and relationship between China and Russia, we expect to have both a Russian customer base and Chinese, uh, but obviously absent COVID-19, the ability of people to come in and stay for longer visas that have been put in place uh, in recent years, that will return to normal. So. I think our timing will be good there as well. Don't get me wrong. We, we, we always have looked in our backyard, Vietnam, but they have their own legal and regulatory issue. Uh, Thailand obviously hasn't had any uh, real movement. So at the end of the day, we looked at our success and the fundamentals that were occurring in Cambodia. And that's why we've continued to concentrate our base of operation there but we're wide open to go elsewhere. Uh, you know, we like others have observed uh, and try to grasp all the, uh, call it uh, guidelines and uh, regulatory pronouncements of Japan, but that's still unfolding. Uh, so we're not committed one way or the other, but we have an open mind to a good opportunity under those type of, call it elements that I talked about, mm. you know, we're not interested in competing with people who are prepared to spend 15, 20 billion US on you know, facilities. That doesn't make sense to us if we can get into uh, a market where you know, we look at our cost expenditure combined with return on investment for our shareholders, combined with growth and develop in a city that, uh, or area that enjoys economic development opportunities. Well, what about Myanmar? Well, uh, I, I can say that we've made visitations there. I think we'd have to 
you know, uh, Myanmar certainly is a, a population wise and uh, the potential for uh, positive change. I think it's there. Uh, again, you have to look at issues pertaining to political stability, where they are in the stages of regulatory development, you know, whether or not you have uh, reasonable protections under the law, you know, what risks are attached. So we certainly wouldn't preclude that, but I think they have a little bit ways to go before it becomes clear on the, call it the, both the legal decision to provide legal gaming and how many casinos, et cetera, combined with uh, greater clarity uh, investment-wise. What you don't want to do, and you see it often as people go into an area and then two years later, something gets reversed. So we do our homework. I can say part of our success over the years is that we're fiscally very conservative. We're very cost conscious. And if you look at, you know, the level of our investment so far, like in Cambodia and what we've built there for the costs that we have, you know, we've been pretty prudent and now we're moving moving up in scale of quality of our facilities and obviously origin, uh, uh, going back and refurbishing and updating our original property. So we're wide open and poised for a good opportunity, but you know, it's not like uh, I, I could share with you that you know, we're gonna, we haven't done bank borrowing, you know, we've gone through some bond exercises, but you know, if you look back at the 25 year history of Naga, you know, when we listed, and for many, many years after, no debt, no gearing, and that goes back to the mindset of the founder is that be patient, gain a, a good understanding and knowledge of where you're operating, the risks associated with it, and manage those risks. And that's what we've done, I think, a pretty good job. And similarly, we would apply those same type of evaluations and analysis in other places that we go because every place is unique. Certainly Russia is going to be a different operating environment than Southeast Asia. Uh, I mean, either way, it sounds like uh, very, very exciting times ahead for Nagacorp and for yourself, Tim. Just wanted to say thank you very much for your time today. Um, it's been enlightening. Um, and I look forward to seeing what Nagacorp comes up with next. Very much appreciated, Felix. Thank you for your time. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit more about Naga.